This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Are you sick and tired of biased hockey talk? Then you have come to the right place. The Drop focuses on the St. Louis Blues, but we also delve into other news from around the NHL. So tell the ref you don't mind the game misconduct penalty. You were headed to the locker room anyway to listen to The Drop. Here's your host, Lance Descott. Welcome back once more for another episode of The Drop Podcast. Podcast that gets all the news on your St. Louis Blues and, of course, the big happenings around the NHL. Trying to be positive is somewhat hard with this team because you see the same things night in and night out. They've changed coaches. In fact, they've had three coaches over the last two years or so. Some of the players that were here a couple years ago when Hitchcock was here, they complained to Doug Armstrong and other people within upper management about how they couldn't play for him. They didn't want to play for him. So they made the change early because the team was playing bad and it was very apparent they didn't want to play for Ken Hitchcock. All of a sudden, Mike Yo comes in and he's making my prediction that he would be a very short-term coach in St. Louis to look very bad at the time. Ended up being right, but at that time it looked very bad. And I was happy to admit I was wrong back then, but Mike Yo didn't last very long. Was it partially his fault? Yeah, he didn't, I think, make necessary changes. He didn't hold players to task when they weren't playing. I think he was just spent mentally with this team. Then you bring in Berube. Uh, we got to give him a chance to uh, make some changes, really make these guys accountable. In fact, in his press conference with Doug Armstrong when he took over, he said he was going to make the players accountable. He hasn't done that. They've had streaks of playing well. They've had other streaks of playing really, 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 and I can't say the really is enough, bad. This is a bad team. There's guys that don't want to be here. And you know what I say to that? Fine, trade them. You may not get back what you think you should get for them, but is it doing you any good to keep them here? I know for a fact they have tried to trade Alex Steen on more than one occasion in the last year or so, maybe a little bit longer, but I can only confirm the last year or so, and he has said no. He has invoked his no-trade clause. Trangelo, before he got hurt, this was by far one of his worst years. People don't agree with me on that, I'm sure. But he's not the guy that they signed to this contract. And Tarasenko's not playing well. But I think that's got a lot to do with the people playing around him. However, he's had times where I don't even notice he's on the ice. And he's supposed to be a superstar. And from what I hear, Doug Armstrong is looking to make a trade with one of the top players, Tarasenko, Shin, Petrangelo perhaps. And people are up in arms about some of those moves. And then you have other people that think you're going to get a first-round pick, a top prospect that's playing now, and another player. You're not going to get that for Braden Shin. You're not. And then I hear people talking about a trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, we can get uh, maybe a, a two first-round picks for Petrangelo. You're not going to get that. You're just not. The only thing I care about is they get guys in here that want to play. Whether they're guys as good as Petrangelo at his best, whether they're guys as good as Braden Shin at his best, whether they're guys that are as good as Tarasenko at his best, I don't care. Guys need to be moved on, and there needs to be some changes made within this team. 
Get rid of the guys that don't want to play. I could care less about their talent. And it's come to this point with me, and I think it's come to this point with a lot of people. They announced the other day that they had signed Robert Bertuzzo to a new deal for $1.375 million a year, I believe. I think it was for three years. My question is this, and this is nothing against Doug Armstrong. He's been here for years. Is it time to move on in a different direction with a general manager? Doug Armstrong has made some great moves, and he's made some bad, bad contract signings with existing players, such as that Yori Laterra deal, which he got out of, which is awesome. I still can't believe he got out of that deal and got Braden Shin here. That's one of the best moves the last couple of years by any general manager. But then he signs Alex Steen a couple of years ago to a $5.5, $5.7 million contract from a guy who was clearly starting to decline. Was he bad at the time? No. But you've seen some spots of him not being so strong defensively. You've seen some spots of him of him not showing up within games. This team has huge issues. They've got 12 guys that are either minus five or worse. Now, a lot of people will say, that's Jake Allen's fault. That's Chad Johnson's fault. Sorry, guys, it's not. When that many people have that much of a problem on defense and they've got plus-minus ratings of minus five and above, you're not playing good defensively overall. And there are still those that blame Jake Allen for everything. The four goals he allowed in the first period, of course, were all his fault. They were all saves he should have and could have made and that every other goalie in the league would have made all of them. I've heard that, actually. Jake Allen, in his last 17 games, has a 2.47 goals against. When your goalie over 17 games is averaging 2.47 goals against, you should be winning most of those games. But they're not. They've allowed a ton of penalties. Six penalties a game, seven penalties a game, five, four. That's too much. And some people blame it on the refs' bad calls. I agree that some of the calls were bad. But that happens to every NHL team. Their power play in the last 17 games has been dismal. 16.9%. A ton of things need to change. My personal opinion is I think Doug Armstrong needs to be let go. People say, well, he's not worried about his job. He's got three years left. Has he assembled a team that wants to play? Has he kept players here that don't want to play? They're going to have a hell of a time trading Petrangelo with his injury. Last I heard, he is going to need surgery. They're trying not to get to that point, but I think it's pretty well known that he's going to need surgery, and they're just hoping that something great happens to where he doesn't. So if he needs surgery, and they wait, let's say, to around Christmas, which what they said they were going to do to evaluate him around Christmas, he's going to be out four to six weeks after that if it heals properly. Do you think Toronto Maple Leafs or any other team is going to trade for a guy that is most likely going to be out to the end of January, 1st of February? I don't see that happening, unless they can really steal him. I think we've come to the conclusion that this team's going to be up and down all year. But with that being said, let's go ahead and go over some of the highlights of this game against the Flames. Well, at least they're highlights if you're a Flames fan. And I feel really bad for John Kelly and Darren Payne announcing those games. They've got to try to do their best to promote the team, and it's hard when they're playing like this. My heart's out to you guys. I wouldn't want the job you have right now because you know this team stinks, but you can't come out and say this team stinks. You've got to pick out the positives and also show us the negatives without being too negative. My hats are off to both of you. 
So as I said earlier, this was a terrible game. The Flames came out and got four goals in the first period. And in all honesty, this game was over probably after three. All the way across to Lindholm. Giordano again. Rich shot. Deflected. This goal. The rebound. Matthew Kachuk. First goal at home for Kachuk back in St. Louis. And he makes it 1-0 Calgary on the power play. You just got the sense, didn't you, Rick, that Matthew Kachuk was going to continue where he left off yesterday, right from his first shift, creating some chances, a good back check. And here, the initial tip gets stopped by Jake Allen. He, he can see he tries to get out in positioning to block that puck from Kachuk's stick. But then as he does that, he leaves the net wide open for that rebound opportunity. And good hand-eye coordination there by Matthew Kachuk. His first ever goal at home here in St. Louis. Five games, and here's a short-handed chance for Lindholm. Shorty scores! Elias Lindholm seconds into the power play, makes it 2-0 Calgary. Matthew Kachuk likes that as he's sitting in the box, and for the third straight game, the Calgary Flames get a short-handed goal, and it's right from the defensive zone face-off. Lindholm just goes out hard and puts pressure on Pareko. They know that's the guy they want to get the puck to, and he just makes no mistake about it, going blocker side on Jake Allen, but he was thinking pressure the entire time, and this is a play that the Flames have drawn up. 17th of the season for Lindholm focus stick, though he races back to the bench for a new one. Flames control, Lindholm's back into the play. Johnny Gaudreau feeds the puck to Mark Giordano. Here's control. Giordano shoots, scores! Power play, two for two, and it's 3-0 Calgary. And what a rocket by the Flames captain. And St. Louis makes an adjustment here on their penalty kill. They actually bring Bo Meester down a little closer to Matthew Kachuk, but then that opens up other options. And this is the plethora of options that the Flames have. And just a little give and go. If Johnny Gaudreau doesn't come up high, that doesn't bring that other penalty killer up high. Now he's created a two-on-one for him and Giordano on that top penalty killer. And Giordano just puts it into the back Jankowski of the net. Jankowski turning on the half boards. Plays it back to the line to Hannafin. Hannafin with a bit of room. He shoots. Stopped by Allen. Rebound. They score. Quine able to chip it in. And it's all Calgary in St. Louis. Allen Quine's second goal is a flame. 4 nothing. This entire offensive zone sequence for the Flames starts by a good presence in the neutral zone. They stay above the options for the St. Louis Blues. They create a turnover and then they get to work. Beats Bertuzzo to the net. They're right there side by side and gets that rebound that bounces away from Allen. One of the worst periods all year for the Blues, if not the worst period of the year for the Blues. You can't continue to give teams power play opportunities and expect to defend all of them and not allow a goal. That goal is a combination of several things. Number one, the Blues taking the bad penalty. Number two, Matthew Kachuk camped out right in front of Jake Allen. Jake makes the initial stop. Bartuzo is five, six, seven feet in front of his man, Kachuk. Kachuk gets the puck, puts it right past Jake Allen. That goal is Robert Bartuzo's fault. You can't allow guys to stand in front of the net to get rebounds and expect them not to score. That goal by Kachuk was his 15th of the year. Giordano gets his 29th assist. Lindholm gets his 19th assist. Five minutes, 58 seconds in, the Flames are up one to nothing. That goal there is also on a defenseman. And what's sad is it happened during the Blues power play. The Blues are in the offensive zone. They got a faceoff. Pareko is back towards the blue line. The puck goes to him via pass. He can't handle it. Starts bouncing. Lenholm stills it away. Skates right past Pareko. Pareko can't catch up to him. 
and Lenholm puts it past Jake Allen for his 17th goal of the year. That goal, of course, was unassisted 10 minutes, 15 seconds in, and of course it was a shorthanded goal caused by a mistake by a defensive player while they were on a power play. The third goal of first period was another power play goal. The Blues took another penalty. They gave the Flames an opportunity to score, and they did. Hard shot from just in front of the blue line, right past Jake Allen. I don't know if Jake was screened or not, but he did not make that save. That goal by Giordano was his sixth of the year. Johnny Gaudreau gets his 30th assist. Kachuk, who had a great night against his hometown team, gets his 25th assist. 16 minutes, 47 seconds in, the Blues are down 3 to nothing. They needed to show some life, but it didn't happen in the first period. In fact, they continue to make mistakes. They continue to look like they didn't want to be there, and they continued not to work hard in getting the puck and doing what they had to do to keep this game from really getting out of hand. And therefore, the fourth goal happened. Another bad mistake by the defense. Jake made the initial save. Could he have possibly stopped a rebound from happening? Yeah, I'm sure he could have. Bortuzzo lost track of Quine. Quine gets behind him, gets to the puck, and puts it past Jake Allen for the fourth goal of the game. And you could tell Jake was very frustrated at this time. That goal by Quine would be his second of the year. Hannafin gets his 12th assist. Jankowski gets his 8th assist. 18-25, Calgary is up 4 to nothing, and that's how the first period would end. The Blues were outshot 16-6. In all honesty, guys, you can't expect to be winning a game when you allow 16 shots and only get six shots on the net yourself. Going into the second period, we'd see a much, much better effort, and the Blues would finally get on the board. Here's Nolan for the Blues. A dry rebound. They score! Sunquist! And it's 4-1! to one. A shot looking for the far pad, and it gets it. Nolan fires it off the stick pad on the far side. And your classic pass-off pad, Sunquist with one knee down, buries it. It's going to make no mistake right there, but it really did start with the line before that. Maroon, Bozak, and Thomas doing a very good job. Indeed, I thought the Blues came out in the second and looked much better. I don't know if somebody said something. I don't know if the coach really got on to him. I don't know if a player said something. I don't know if they just took it upon themselves to play better, but they definitely looked better. That goal by Sunquist would be his fifth of the year. Nolan would get the assist, his second of the year. Dunn would get an assist, his 10th. And the Blues at least have a goal and are down 4-1. to one. But that would only last about three minutes or so. And Johnny Gaudreau would put the Flames up by four once more at 5-1. to one. Late in the shift, so he softly plays it deep. Edmondson back. Ryan still battling, though, doing some good work on the forecheck. Chips it free to Gaudreau with a shot. Scores! Johnny Gaudreau finds a crease and puts it home. And the Flames restore their four-goal lead. What a play by Derek Ryan, Rick. I mean, you think about in the third period, he got some ice time because Sam Bennett left briefly with an injury, but Bill Peters wasn't happy with him, so he recognizes his line mates are going through change. He just, a soft little chip. That makes Edmondson turn back for the puck, and then he waits until Edmondson touches the puck. He gets two St. Louis Blues guys on him, but he finds Johnny Goudreau coming off the bench. That's a, a play that... It's all Derek Ryan with a beautiful finish. Very smart play by Ryan just to dump that puck in, knowing his team's going through a change. Battles for it, gets it, gives it to Johnny Gaudreau. Bertuzzo doesn't get there in time, and he puts it past Bennington, and the Flames are up 5-1. to one. That goal by Gaudreau would be his 14th of the year. Ryan, as I said, worked very hard on that play, gets his 7th assist. 
five minutes, 26 seconds in. The Flames are up once more by four at five to one. I thought the Blues continue to play pretty well in the second period. But at this point, they're just really behind and they're doing their best to get back into it. They would get their second goal of the period from Tyler Bozak at 18-14 to put this game a little bit closer at 5-2. to two. Drop pass to Donadry, rebound, they score! Bozak, and it's 5-2. to two. Well on the forecheck, Swizzle Schwartz gets in there, the second man there, and that's Braden Shen. Nice little pass there from behind by Bozak. Looked like Bozak was going to play it to the net. Instead, he plays it back to Dunn and then gets the rebound as well. A gratuitous bounce off the defending player falling down and Bozak just taps it in there. Dunn takes the initial shot. Bozak's right there for the rebound, scores. The Blues are somewhat back in this at 5-2. to two. That goal by Bozak would be his fourth of the year. Dunn gets his 11th assist and going out of the second period, it is to 5-2. The Blues outshot Calgary 16-9. to nine. They were skating a little bit better. They were playing a little bit better defensively. And by far, the Blues played much better in the second period than they did in the first. Going into the third period, could the Blues mount somewhat of a comeback, make this a much closer game? No, they could not. In fact, Calgary would get two more goals. An empty netter by Johnny Gaudreau. And his second goal of the game, Alan Quine gets his third of the year on a power play. Steen plays it around. Pass to the slot. Picked off by Lindholm. Makes a nice play. Here's Johnny Gaudreau with the empty net. Scores! Second of the game for Gaudreau. Comes with 3.07 to go. Makes it 6-2 Calgary. This first game with the Flames lifting it in. Dunn back to the puck. Stolen by Brody at the line as they can't clear. Feeds it down low to Zarnik. Zarnik in front with a pass. There's Quine. Scores! Second of the game for Quine. And it's another power play goal. And that makes it 7-2 Calgary. Give some credit here to Kirby Reichel as well. He recognizes Zarnik has the puck in the corner, so he kind of creates a two-on-one. He drives straight to the net. The Blues just don't get readjusted, and it's a wide-open net. A ton of traffic there. Johnny Goudreau gets his second goal of the game on that empty netter and his 15th of the year. Monaghan gets his 19th assist. Lindholm gets his 20th assist. That was at 16.53 to put Calgary up 6-2. to two. Alan Quine gets his second goal of the game, his third of the year. Sarnik gets his fourth assist. Brody gets his 11th assist. Power play goal at 1844, and that's the way the game would end. Let's head to the stats of the game. 29 shots on goal for Calgary, 28 for the Blues. 56% face-offs for Calgary, 44% for the Blues. Calgary was 3 for 4 on the power play. The Blues were 0 for 2. The Blues had 16 hits to Calgary's 7. The Blues had 14 blocks to Calgary's 12. And Calgary had 11 giveaways to the Blues, 10. Let's head to the post-game interviews. We're going to hear from Pareko, Maroon, and Coach Berube on a very embarrassing loss. I mean, they got four, four quick ones in the first. Um, that's tough to, tough to come back from, but I thought we responded well in the second. And uh, It's tough when you, when you put yourself in those situations. That shorthanded goal, was that, how critical was that on the Kind of setting the tone. Yeah, I mean, that's a big goal. Um, obviously, you're out there to try to get a goal for when you're on the power play. And, um, it's, it sucks when, when you get a short against. But um, that being said, we had lots of time left in the PP to try to get that one back. So um, that's, that's what we got to do if we something like that happens, I feel like, is get, get that back. 
When the team is struggling, you fall behind, is, is there a sense of, uh oh, here we go again? Are you, are you guys having to fight that kind of lack of confidence? No, I wouldn't say so. I thought that we, the last two games we've done a good job of, of battling back and uh, getting ourselves back into games. And um, they've both been close games, and um, I thought we've done a good job. So um, it just, I don't know, those four quick ones, it's, it's tough to come back. How hard is it after having two good games to have this kind of finish today? Yeah, it's tough, especially before the break uh, at home. Obviously, you want to finish strong at home, and um, it's it's obviously frustrating and uh, not what we wanted. But um, yeah, Dan is in a chance to gain gain playoff position, and we come out in the first period flat-footed. And I just we don't have answers anymore. It's just kind of embarrassing to be honest with you. You, you, you signed with this team in part because it's a hometown team, and you have pride. Does it frustrate you that it's obvious that some of the other guys maybe aren't playing with the pride that they need to play to win? <laughs> I mean, if that's what you see, that's what you see. But this is a group of guys that play hard every single night, and we play hard every single night. I came in here. This is a group, group of guys. Uh, we come in, we put our pads on every night, and we try to go out there and play our best every night. You can't just single-handedly uh, uh, beat guys down like that. That's, I don't know what you guys see, but if that's what you guys want to do, then you guys do that. I mean, that's what you guys are here to do, but I'm in here. I'm going to stay with this group. This is a good group of guys. We were going to battle. Unfortunately, I don't know why we came out flat foot in the first period. That cost us the game, but I'm in here. You can't blame, can't point fingers. We're in this together, and I'm going to fight with this group as, as a, and just keep fighting. Hopefully, we can get out of this. Where the team comes out bad and poorly and just never gets yeah, we were terrible in the first period. Every player. You know, they, they played yesterday. Matter of fact, yeah. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think, but it was the other way around. No way explain it. Not right now. I don't know how you're not ready to play. We just won two games, you know, we're feeling good, ready to roll, and we got a team that uh, played yesterday afternoon in Minnesota. And uh, real good opportunity to make it three in a row and start feeling good. And, you know, we just we lay an egg. We just no good. Couldn't make a play, couldn't check. It, you know, no composure, no team play. Have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, you've been in this game a long time. Uh, I'm sure I have, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta fix it. Guys gotta look in the mirror, and you know, it's up to each individual to prepare himself to play the game the proper way. You're in the NHL, you know, so that's your job. Was JHS off today? What did you see? There? Well, he, he was, he was bombarded pretty good too. So I mean, you know, he's the least of our worries. So that wasn't the reason he was pulled. No. You talked, Ian, to stay out of the box in a game like this, given too many dumb penalties. Uh, we're uh, we take too many penalties all the time. But too many men on the ice penalty. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, you guys. I mean, yeah, another one. Um, you know, we gotta. We got to be a lot sharper. That's for sure. It's just that's stupidity, you know. It really is. Can't be explained any more than that. Yeah, it's the 
Lou's done so well on Fridays and Thursdays this year. <laughs> it doesn't matter what days. That just... The fact that you're getting this from veteran players, is that... Very concerning. Well, it's frustrating and concerning. These are veteran players that um, need to provide leadership. They should be the ones, um, you know, initiating out there, um, setting the tone for the game, and they didn't. Well, those too many minutes. When you make a change, is it up to the players? Is there a coach coordinating? They know who's up, and you know, it's just the guys jumping too early or a guy coming to the box, to the bench. Sorry, and. Then he just, then he, you know, he changes his mind, and the other guy jumps on. It's just composure, and it's just stupidity. It really is. Craig, is it one thing in your mind when you get you have a bad game, it's four to one or whatever? But you've had so many games get to six, seven. I mean, just what does it take to put an end to this bleeding? I mean, are you more disappointed that the game gets that far out of hand, or does it matter at that point? No, it does matter. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta go out there with some pride and. Come, Jump back in the game. I thought in the second we did a little bit. We we pushed and you know ended up getting a couple goals. But you know in the third we didn't. There was nothing. You know and that's you got to have a lot more pride than that. I mean if we don't have more pride than that, then you know we're not going to go anywhere. You had, I think you had six shots in the third. You're, you're obviously expecting yeah, well, a little bit of a push. Exactly. Right? That's what I'm talking about. You know six shots on net in the third period and you're down five two going into the third. Talk many times about a shot total and stressing that you want the team to shoot for it. It still seems like they're kind of looking for that perfect pass or perfect play. Yeah, tonight for sure. Yeah, we didn't shoot. There's a couple guys in there that, that say the effort is there. Do you agree with that night in and night out? The effort is there. Um, no, not it is for the most part, but um, you know, I didn't feel that tonight in the first period. I'll tell you that. Let's go through a few points that were made by. Pareko and Maroon first. Pareko called the four goals, four quick goals. We got behind on four quick goals. Now, if you want to say four goals in the first period, I would say that's accurate. If you want to say four bad goals given up, I would say that's accurate. To say quick goals, I would not say that's accurate. And I'm not trying to be picky. But if a player's going to make a comment, he needs to know what he's talking about. Matthew Kachuk's goal was at 5 minutes, 58 seconds. Four minutes and about 30 seconds later, 40 seconds later, Elias Lindholm's goal was a shorthanded one. And then six minutes and 32 seconds later, Giordano's goal happened. The only two quick goals, I guess you could say, were Giordano's and Quine's. Now let's get to Maroon. Maroon talks about the guy's not playing well and that he's given out his best and then when they ask him about players, you know, does it frustrate you to see guys out there not playing, not, not giving their all? Do you know what Drew Doughty did several weeks ago? He called out his teammates. Did he call them out by name? No, he didn't. He called them out and said, we're not playing. We're playing like crap. We're not playing as a team. Have you heard once this year a player say that for the Blues? This team has no leaders. They don't at least not from what I've seen. Can you tell me somebody right now or tell me somebody this season that's been a leader that has led this team, that have pushed them through hard times, that have helped them enjoy the few good times and got them ready for more games? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe guys are being led, but maybe they're being led to the slaughterhouse by somebody that doesn't need to be leading. 
They say that Pat Maroon's a good guy in the locker room. I do not expect him to throw people under the bus by name. But instead of laughing and saying, we all work hard, we all do this, we all do that, we're a team. You know, we do this, we're a team. I'm not going to, we're a team, we're a team. You're not a team. Because if you were a true team, you would be playing for each other, playing for the city, and playing for your coach. And the playing for the city thing is far down on the number of important things. You need to be playing for yourself, playing for the team, playing for your coach, playing for the organization. And I don't see hardly any guys doing that with this team. I don't. If you do, correct me if I'm wrong. I see a few guys, three, four, sometimes five a night, sometimes as low as two a night. The team's not consistent. Well, I'll take that back. They're consistently bad. This team needs a change from top to bottom. I think Doug Armstrong has made some good moves. I think he's made some very bad moves. They may weigh out each other. But there needs to be a different voice up top, and they need to bring in a coach. Now, some people are saying, we need to get a coach to get in here and yell at these guys and, and, and be mean to them. I don't think that's the answer. You need to get a GM in here and a coach in here that are on the same page. Then you need to get players in here that will play on the same page and play as a team because these guys aren't doing it. I think most people are at the point to where they don't care who gets traded. And I never thought I would say this. I love Tarasenko. I love Braden Shin. I think they're two great guys. But if it takes trading a Braden Shin, a Tarasenko, a Petrangelo, a Pareko, who's made a bunch of mistakes this year. Yeah, he scored two goals the other night. But he has made a bunch of mistakes that somebody who's been in the league as long as he has should not be making them on a consistent basis, which he is. Burned big time last night on that shorthanded goal. Bortuzzo burned big time two or three times by being out of position and not watching what he's doing. Didn't watch Kachuk in the first goal, the first power play goal. Seven feet in front of him. You don't defend in front of your net seven feet in front of your goalie. You defend in front of your net right around the crease. Bortuzzo didn't do that in the first goal embarrassing and they just signed this guy was it for a huge amount no do you re-sign a guy in a season where the team's playing terrible and he's had some bad bad spots he's played well in some games but he's had some really bad bad spots where he's not taking the body he's not getting guys out of the front of the net he's out of position he's letting guys skate around him he's letting guys skate around to the back of the net I would have waited towards the end of the year just to see how it was going to go. I wouldn't have re-signed him. This is why I'm saying a change from the top to bottom needs to be made. It's time to start at the top with your general manager, bring in a coach, make some changes. Because here's what could happen. Let's say this team keeps Doug Armstrong. He makes trades. Does he get in return what he probably would have if the Blues were winning? No. But he makes trades. Get some players in here that do somewhat work hard, but they don't win. And they start a so-called rebuilding, retooling process. That puts you three to five years away from competing for anything. Very few teams compete in a rebuild. 
You'll see some brilliant play. You'll see some bad play. If you let Doug Armstrong make those decisions and the team continues to play bad and they either don't make the playoffs over the next two to three years or they make the playoffs and it's one and done, what good has it done you to keep him on? And in my mind, you're not going to get a good coach to come in here unless there's a new general manager too. There's rumors out there that Mr. Stillman won't let Doug Armstrong sign anybody for longer than three years past this year. You are not going to get a good coach doing that if he's in a comfortable position where he's at. He's not going to take a risk and do something like that. Because if he comes here and you're playing bad and you've got a general manager that's not on the same page as him, it's it's going to end up messy again. And the Blues aren't going to win for five, six, seven years. But this needs to be changed from every aspect. Management, coaching, and players. But guys, don't expect Doug Armstrong to do anything before Christmas. They freeze transactions before Christmas, and I think that's either tonight or tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, and they can't make another trade till after Christmas. But don't be shocked if one of the players that a lot of fans love is gone after Christmas, because I think it's coming. I want to thank everybody for joining me for this episode of the Drop Podcast. Until next time, stay healthy, try to be happy, and let's go Blues. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Drop Podcast. To get more of the Drop, check out our website at droppodcast.com. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. You can follow us on Instagram at the.drop.podcast or on Twitter at Drop Hockey Show. You can email the Drop Podcast or host Lance DeScott at lanced at droppodcast.com. To find out more about Lineup Media, go to lineupmedia.fm. Until next time, let's go Blues! This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.